Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On this special weekend, on this Memorial Day weekend, we're called to remember all those who have served in our armed forces and especially for those who have gone and paid the ultimate price so that we could have the freedom that we enjoy each and every day. We think of some of the places in the world that this has taken place where people have made the ultimate sacrifices. Places such as Normandy, Bastogne, Seoul, Quezon, Landing Zone X-Ray, and the Central Highlands of Vietnam. And more recently, we think of Kandahar, Fallujah, and Ramadi. These are just a few of the places that our military have been called to go and serve and some who have had to pay the ultimate price. We think of that moment when they lay down their lives, what is going on around them. In that moment, they're seeing ugliness, they're seeing darkness, they're hearing the sound of warfare, and they're seeing the division in our human sinful nature as we make war against each other. A completely different scene than what John describes for us this morning in Revelation chapter 22. And so to begin this morning, I want you to, to close your eyes and try to imagine this imagery as I read from Revelation chapter 22. So please close your eyes as I read these words. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, that the leaves were for the healing of the nations. You can open your eyes now. Were you able to imagine that, that scene, that imagery that John is describing for us? It's this beautiful garden scene that John is allowed to see as the book of Revelation comes to a close. You see, we're, in the, we're at the end of, of the book of Revelation and the new creation is being described. And this began last week in our reading in Revelation chapter 21, where John writes that he saw heaven coming down out of the clouds and he describes the beauty of it, how it's like jasper, it, it's clear. And at this point, John is, he's outside of the city with this angel guide and this angel takes him around to each of the walls of the city and measures it. And he takes John to the gates on the outside of the city. We move to our section this morning, to Revelation chapter 22, and John's no longer on the outside of the city, but he's brought inside of the city, and he gets to see all the, the beauty and the imagery of the new creation and of the new city. Now, you're probably sitting there this morning, and you're probably familiar with Revelation chapter 22, and you're probably thinking this imagery that John is describing, this garden, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Maybe it could make the connection back to the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis before the fall into sin. We know it's like the Garden of Eden because John uses two symbols in, in his describing of the garden. There's two prominent symbols that John uses, one being the river of life and the second one being the tree of life. And so this morning, I want to spend time unpacking these symbols for you and showing you how you've seen these, these symbols before back in, in Genesis. And then I want to take time and I want to show you how there's going to be this great reversal, if you will, that's going to take place in the new creation. 
And so the last time I got to share God's word with you, I spoke on Revelation chapter five. And I shared with you some advice that Dr. Mark Brighton had for me when I was a student at Concordia Irvine. He told me that if you wanna understand Revelation better, go back to the Old Testament because that's where John pulls his imagery and his symbolism from. And so this morning, that's what I would like to do with you. I'd like to take you all the way back to the book of Genesis to show you how you've seen these symbols before. And so to, to begin with, the first image that, that John is shown by this angel is he's shown the river of life. And John describes this river of life being as bright as, as crystal. I don't know about you folks gathered here this morning, but I've never seen a river bright as crystal. And I, I'd never seen as much water until I came to the Midwest and then to Michigan. But John, he goes on describing this river and he describes how it flows out from the throne room of God, the very presence of God, and how it flows out from there and, and through the city. We've seen this before. We've seen that there was a river in the Garden of Eden back in the book of Genesis. And so from Genesis chapter two, verse 10, a river flowed out from Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. Here we can see how the river in Eden, it went out from the garden and it, it cared for the garden. Similar to what John is describing for us in Revelation, how it comes out from the throne room of God and it goes through the city and it waters the garden. John is notorious for using symbolism in his writing. He does it in his gospel and he does it throughout his letters and he especially in the book of Revelation. One of John's favorite symbols he loves to use is water. You'll find it throughout his writings. The reason why John does this is because John's audience, his first audience that would have read Revelation, they understood water to be something very special. They saw water to be this divine sign of life, that water purifies a person from their sins. You and I, we have been washed in the water in our baptism. Our sins have been washed away. We've been made as bright as that crystal river that John is describing for us this morning. Going back to the book of Genesis, we read of, of, of the account of, of the river, but then the river gets lost because after the fall into sin, man's wickedness and evilness is so great before God that he destroys the world with the great flood. We have the account of, of Noah and his family. And from there on, we, we kind of lose track of where this river is. And it doesn't allow us to find the Garden of Eden. The other significant symbol that John describes for us this morning is also found in the last chapter of Revelation. It's found in the garden scenery that John is describing for us. It would be the tree of life. John describes that tree of life in these words. It had its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves were for the healing of the nation. John tells us that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. That means that there's a complete absence of any physical or spiritual want for the nations and for the people. They're all found in this tree. Now the tree of life, like the river of life, we've encountered it before a lot more clearly back in Genesis. From, Gen uh, from Genesis chapter two, verse nine. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to sight 
and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was, was in the middle of the garden and Adam and Eve were allowed to eat from any tree in the garden except for one. They weren't allowed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet Adam and Eve, I asked myself, why didn't they take the opportunity to eat from the tree of life? We get our answer shortly in Genesis chapter three where we have the account of the fall into sin. How the serpent comes along and it deceives Adam and Eve and causes them to fall into sin. In Revelation 22, John tells us the leaves of the tree, they're used for the healing of the nations to, to make nations whole and people. But the, the complete opposite happens in Genesis. The leaves of the trees in Genesis, they're used to cover Adam and Eve used them to cover themselves of their shame and their nakedness because after they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they realized that they were naked, they were ashamed, and they, were, they wanted to hide it. We read in Genesis how God later comes down in the afternoon to walk with Adam and Eve and he can't seem to find them anywhere. And when he does finally find Adam and Eve, Adam tells him he was hiding because he was naked and ashamed. And God knew exactly what Adam and Eve had done. And as a result of their, their not trusting in him, he cursed his entire creation. And he took it even one step further and he cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And he put a, a cherubim, an, a flaming angel, and a flaming sword to block our way to the tree of life. After the, the fall into sin, that perfect creation that God had called perfect at the beginning of Genesis was no more. And it could have been so easy for our Lord just to kind of take his hands and be like, well, it didn't work out, nothing I can do. But that's not the type of God we have. We have a God who is intimate. He reaches down to us and he comes to us. And so God had a plan to restore and to redeem his creation. It would in fact take place in another garden. In our reading this morning from, John, uh, from the Gospel of John, that's known as the high priestly prayer. Jesus is, is praying for his disciples, but also for you and for me and for all those who would come after. And, af and shortly after that, Jesus is gonna go out to the Garden of Gethsemane and there he's gonna be betrayed and there he is gonna be led over to die for the sins of the world. And indeed, he died for the sins of the world and that took place on another tree. But three days later, we know that he, he rises from the dead and he defeats sin, death, and the devil. Because of his victory over these three enemies that no longer have any power over us, we know that our sins have been forgiven and that we have the promise of eternal life. Because of his great Easter victory, there's been this great reversal that has taken place and will take place in the new creation. No longer are we gonna be blocked or not able to find the river of life because John tells us in, in chapter 22 that we're gonna be able to go to the river of life. We're gonna be able to drink from the river of life. No longer are we not gonna be able uh, to be approach the tree of life or even to, to eat from it. We won't no longer be blocked. We'll be able to go to the tree of life and to eat of it and to partake of it. Because of the death of Christ, we know that we will be in the new creation. We have washed our robes in the blood of the lamb 
And that allows us to enter into the city. We won't be on the outside with all those other things that John described for us in Revelation chapter 22. And so a new creation is indeed coming. And it's gonna be even better than we can imagine. We know that from 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter that this current creation that we're living in on that last day is gonna be burned up and dissolved. And God is gonna bring a new creation, better than anything we can ever imagine. He's not gonna take a carbon copy of the creation we understand and just make it again. He's gonna take and he's gonna make everything new. John gives us this, this powerful image in Revelation 22 verse five. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever and ever. What a very powerful image that John lays out for us here that we will get to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. We'll get to reign with him forever and that he's gonna provide all that we need for this life or for at that time. St. Paul, he, he tries to help us even more understand this, this new creation that's coming. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of men imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What St. Paul is saying here, as human beings, we can't begin to imagine what the new creation is going to be like, what God has in store for us. But there is one thing we can know for sure, that because of Christ's redemption, because of his atonement, all creation is gonna be made perfect without sin. And you and I, we will get to dwell with our Lord and Savior forever. I opened up talking about the pain and suffering of warfare. All of that will be no more. All of the darkness and the day-to-day -day darkness that we see in our lives and experience will be no more. We'll get to be with our Lord and Savior forever and we'll get to join with their angel choir and praise him. The book of Revelation after, at chapter 22, it draws to a close. And at this point, it's been kind of John and this angel guide, guide uh, dialogue, dialoguing back and forth. And then we have Jesus speaks. And Jesus says these words. Surely, I am coming soon. And the response that John writes for us that we, we just read is, Amen, come Lord Jesus. This is our prayer this morning, that indeed our Lord Jesus would come. We know at the same time that when that day happens, it's gonna be a day of judgment upon the earth. When that time comes, all of us are gonna stand before the Lord and we're gonna have to give an account for our lives, for the things that we've done. But we can know also that it, it's not gonna be a day of God's wrath and God's judgment because God's gonna look down upon us and he sees us covered in his son's blood. And because of that, we don't enter into eternal separation, eternal damnation. We enter into living in the presence of our Lord and Savior forever. And yet we, we have the question of what are we to do as we wait for that day when our Lord returns? Are we to get up each morning and, and go outside and just kind of stare up at the sky and, okay, Lord, are you coming back today? Or Not exactly. 
We are called to be prepared as, as his followers. We're, we're called to be ready for when he returns. We don't know when our, our Lord is gonna return. He's gonna return eventually. And while we're waiting, he's given us an assignment, if you will. He's given us an assignment to go out to the, other, to the nations and to proclaim his word, to tell others about the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And so we are prepared for that moment when, when our Lord returns. And so with John and with the entire church, we join in in saying, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.